The Theonauts, episode 29. The one where we take literacy literally. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you theoorganisms. How's it going out there? Hey, guys. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. Together we are the, the Theonauts. Happy Reformation Day. Yes. And happy was All Saints Day. That's right. All Saints Day. <laughs> Hallows, Hallows Day. All Hallows Day. So we covered the, the Catholics and the Protestants. <laughs> so we're all over the, That's right. <laughs> over the map. Somebody so. give me a hammer. I'm going to nail something to a door. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's uh, some irony yeah. in some of the things that we're going to be talking about today uh, and it being all hallows day or yeah. all saints day or whatever <laughs> so yeah um we're we're getting into this habit of being a little bit behind yeah or <laughs> tardy <laughs> <laughs> hey dude you know what we're busy men we have busy schedules but nothing is more important than theonauts exactly but it fits in to uh it, it worked out well yeah so why well that it's it's all saints day oh yeah and actually, yesterday was Reformation Day. But oh, that's right. But I, I still, I like Reformation. That's right Day. because the the, the ninety five thesis. I can't even think of the words I wanted to say. Wow. We're, we're nailed on October. It's 30th. too early. It's too early. It is early. Uh, we usually don't record this early. No, in the we need another like, cup of coffee. <coughs> Man, clear my throat. I'll tell you what. <clears throat> so, uh, did you have a good uh, Happy Halloween? Yes. Yeah, we had a good time. What'd we, you do? We went to um, a trunk or treat at my uh, son-in-law and daughter's uh, uh, little congregation. We need to post the pictures on on uh, the on the Theonauts page because <laughs> I mean I'm telling you, it looks perfect for your Theonauts. Uh, hey, that that's true. Yeah. See, so the costume that I wore <laughs> was I'll just call it a spaceman. Yeah. Because it's. You know, you could call it an astronaut or whatever. I get called Buzz Lightyear when I'm wearing it. <laughs> um, it originated back. I went to uh, uh, Comic Con, yeah, and um, a couple of years ago, and my wife and I built this costume, and it's like a uh, it's like a throwback 1930s sci-fi, sci-fi thing, yeah. you know, with the bubble helmet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's alive. Commando Cody, you yeah. know, <laughs> it looked awesome and man. all that. So, oh. uh, has this gigantic glass dome. Oh man, it's just yeah. It's perfect. And I've got like a little speaker on the inside, and when I talk, it lights up. <laughs> and so anyway, we're at, it's at night last night, yeah. so we're we're sitting out here in the the field, uh, handing out candy in the out of a trunk. Sure, and. Uh, all these kids were coming up and they were just like fascinated. Wow. Are you a real space man? <laughs> it was so cool. It was a lot better than comic con. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Everyone wanted to take their picture with me. <laughs> it 
It's funny. The celebrity of the hour. Yeah. That's so neat. And man. I was warm. <laughs> That's, good. That's good. You know what's funny to me? I was just thinking about that. Trunk or treat. You know, back in the day, it used to just be trick or treating, but tons of churches nowadays are doing the trunk or treat. Right, thing. right. And I'm thinking, are they doing it because it's safer? And I get that. But then I think... Hey, kid, you want some candy out of my trunk? You know what I mean? <laughs> Reach in there real quick. Just, I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and it's a way also for Christians to reclaim right. the day. Yeah. You know, uh, and man, there are tons of arguments about all that stuff. We're not going to get into that uh-uh. today, but uh, <laughs> there's just all this, you know, it's evil. And then you got Kirk Cameron's take on it. It's, oh, we're mocking the devil. We're mocking. So it's like there's all these different takes yeah. on, you know. Uh, well, I did, like, on Wednesday, I taught the youth. We actually carved jack-o'-lanterns. Mm-hmm. And I taught them, how can we redeem the culture, okay? Yeah. So this is a cultural thing. How do we redeem it? And one of the best ways we can do that is to share the gospel through it. So mm-hmm. what do you do with a pumpkin? You cut <laughs> it open, you clean the junk out of it, and you put a light in it to shine bright. Right. I mean, that's a picture and, of Christ. And it, when you think about it, uh Halloween, even the name, yeah. is an attempt to reclaim right. this pagan holiday. Yeah. So, um, I mean, because the word is All Hallows Eve, right. which is pre-All Hallows Day, which is today, right? Uh, which the Catholics set aside to honor, honor, honor saints, the saints, venerate the saints, veneration of yeah, the saints. Yeah, whatever it is. Something fancy. So, which yeah. I'm a saint, by the way. So, venerate me. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah, we their definition a, of saint is kind of <laughs> skewed, but whatever. No, uh, it's really. We did a fall festival last night. We had a bounce house. We had a chili cook off. I came in sixth place. Horrible. Oh, and they had chili. Yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. But the six was last place. There were mm-hmm. only six of us. But, anyways, we did this huge thing in the whole <laughs> place. But the best part was we set up the youth room as a spook house. But not just any spook house. We taught the. Uh, we did the ten plagues of Egypt. <laughs> so they walked through and they touched blood and you know so the stuff, oh, I got nice. I got live crickets and uh we was had, that the locust? Yeah, that was the locust. <laughs> they put their hands in and felt live crickets and freaked out. But the best was the death of the first ward. We put somebody on a uh, on our pool table and covered it with like a cloth, you know, it looked like he's dead. <laughs> and then he jumped up and scared the dickens out of the kids. Oh, it was so wow. great. But by the end of that, they knew the ten plagues. It was pretty cool. So uh uh, yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it was fun. I had a blast anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it's all about what's in your heart, man. That's I mean, right. If you're doing it to honor God. Amen. That's one thing. Yeah. You know, so. All right. All right. And now the news. Well, one of the biggest stories that come out right now is Mars Hill. The former church of uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll. Yes. We talk about him almost every week now because there's always some new development, but this is the biggest development I've seen so far. Uh, Mars Hill has decided to close its doors. Whoa. They are shutting down as a church or as an organization. So they can't do it without Mark. I don't know. I I guess their whole goal is to become um, their own churches. So some of them are going to shut down there. There's 13 campuses across the United States. Okay. Okay. The main one there in Seattle. The main one in Seattle and then 13 others and or 12 others. Um, but the, it's really unexpected. I'll, I'll just read the blurb from relevant magazine. Cause they 
they say it better than me. But uh, very big, unexpected news out of Mars Hill today following the sudden surprise resignation of famously controversial pastor Mark Driscoll, the massive multi-site church he founded will dissolve over the next two months. Each of the 13 churches that comprise Mars Hill's empire will either go uh, their own way, merge with another church, or close their doors for good. Um, so basically, they're going to either become autonomous, or uh, they're going to join with another church, or they're going to shut their doors. It's kind of sad, but at the same time, Mars Hill Church, uh, all the all the different churches, they were satellite churches. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I have my own opinion on satellite churches. I, I don't think they're a wise thing. Um, basically what a satellite church is when you get too big, you start another off. campus, right? You break <laughs> but off. But then is the first, is the second one answering to the first one. Right. And they are. Yeah. What they are is basically it's, well, we're going to put our name on your church mm-hmm. and we're going to do a video, live video feed of our pastor every Sunday at your church. You're going to have your own worship <laughs> and then you're going to watch the pastor on the screen. Right. right, right. And you're going to be so just another Mars. Is it live church. or is it Memorex? It's live. <laughs> Memorex. <laughs> nice. No, it's like, and so, you know, my thinking on the whole satellite churches is, and this is just my take. I don't know. You may rebuttal, but um, it's unnecessary. If you're big enough, what do you do? You send out and you start a new church, mm-hmm. and that church needs to be autonomous to itself as a, it's a community of believers, and they need to raise up their own teachers, yeah. and they need to teach and, and you know, and, and equip each other. Yeah, I wouldn't, out, I wouldn't dispute that. Yeah. We'll have plenty of dispute later right. in this episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but, but but that uh the what I, what I, I was thinking about in in terms of that is I think I think that it is an echo of of what happened early on because that's how archbishops came about. Yeah. I mean, not only do you have a bishop in the congregation, you've got some other guy you've got to answer to in another city. Yeah. And eventually you get a Pope when you do that. (laughs) Just really bad organization, I think. I don't know. It's just me. And then what what happens is, uh, you know, you just get convoluted. Mm -hmm. So they're shutting down all the doors of all the satellites and everything? Well, they're, yeah, they're, they're, uh, if if your church wants to become autonomous unto itself, it can do that and then raise its own pastors up. But they're, uh, they're firing their entire staff. They're shutting down. So, wow. Yeah, it's a it's pretty shocking. Spiraling was, the drain there. Yeah, I was kind of surprised because I don't know about you, but for me, uh, you know, I was in my twenties when Mars Hill started. Right, right. You know, when I'm like nineteen, twenty, and I'm thinking, dude, this is the coolest church ever. You know, yeah. All this. So for me, this was like I, I, some other, you know, famous like Billy Graham or something. You know what I mean? And yeah. So it's it's kind of crazy, but. Um, Anyways, so that's that's what's happening over there. Um, you sent me a link earlier in the week uh, that was really interesting. Ligonier Ministries, uh, the flagship of R.C. Sproul, um, did a um, a survey. Um, uh, today in Theology or whatever. Yes, it's called the State of Theology Today, basically. Right. And uh, it, it, they surveyed around 5,000 uh, 5, people in in the United States, um, basically asking them simple theological questions. And it's really interesting, uh, you know, where, where they come out, came out with, um, 
so they they would ask uh, stuff like, uh, "Is Jesus Christ the only way to heaven?" Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, I, I'm looking to see, but uh, I guess most of forty seven percent agreed. Right, forty-seven. Forty-seven yeah. percent. Now, these which are, means more than fifty percent. That's more than fifty percent. Either declined to answer, right, or yeah, didn't know or, or disagree. Yeah, right, right, right. Now, <laughs> now, taking account, all of these people claim to be Christians. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all I'm of a them, Christian, but Christ isn't necessarily necessary. Exactly, and he's not the <laughs> not the one. Um, God has authority over people because he created human beings. 61% agree. Which means 40, <laughs> 39 don't. That's right. Um, God can't tell me what to do just right. because I'm a Christian. Sin is not cosmic treason. This is one of their, mm-hmm. uh, basically the, one of their uh, things. 51% agree. <laughs> that sin is not cosmic right. treason. Right. That's crazy. Over half, one percent over half. Some of this that. that I noticed was uh, could be construed because this is a very Calvinistic. Oh yeah, um, they are um, survey or group that can have different implications. Right. About the cosmic treason, you know, isn't it an affront to God? That should have been the the straightforward question. Sure, absolutely. Because then it, it clears up this air about... Um, cosmic treason. Cosmic is, treason. What is that, you know? And half, I imagine 5,000 <laughs> out of the 5,000, they're like, Cos- what's, what's, cos- what's what's treason? Yeah, man. what's... Uh, it's America. Exactly. I'm a patriot. Yeah. Is it bad? Yeah, it's bad. I don't know treason, whatever. <laughs> um, they're finding on pluralism, this is really interesting, the Bible is 100% accurate in all that it teaches. Now, this is interesting for today's Right uh, topic, forty three percent agree to that. Wow, um, the Bible was written for each person to interpret as they choose. Forty five percent agree to that, so they're kind of toss up there. Salvation is found through Jesus Christ alone. Fifty three percent agree again. Wow, uh, the Bible, uh, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but it's not literally true. Forty one percent agree with that. Wow. So less than half. Which yeah, is, and that's going to play into what oh, we're talking yeah. about. Is it myth or did it happen? <clears throat> what's what's going on? Um, there are many ways to get to heaven. 45% agree mm. that there are many ways, multiple ways to get to heaven. Um, there will be people in heaven who have never heard of Jesus Christ. 41% agree. Yeah. <laughs> we, this is a wishy-washy Christianity yeah. where we are uh, witnessing. Yeah. And this isn't just a little controlled group survey. This uh-uh. is a broad right. survey that they did. Yeah, this is a whole spectrum of Christianity. Um, and then they have, what's really interesting, they have, they have the whole spectrum, and then they have a little, uh, a smaller one that's just evangelical Protestants, which is mm-hmm. their camp. You know? Right. Um, uh, but like, even those numbers were were wacky. Oh, yeah. Like 26% agreed uh, that... Uh, those who have never heard of Jesus will go to heaven. Eleven uh, percent agreed that there are many ways to get to heaven. This is out of evangelical Protestant Protestants. evangelicals, right? Now, or at least people that that wear that label. Yeah, I'd love to take that person and go. 
listen, if, if that's the case, don't tell anybody about Jesus. Yeah. Please don't do him any favors. Exactly. <laughs> All you're going to, yeah. Because, so if ignorance yeah. is an excuse for salvation, like I say, you can be saved because you're ignorant. ignorant. The stupidest thing you can do is tell people about Jesus. <laughs> that's right. Because then you make them culpable. Yeah. <laughs> Guilty. Yeah, that, that's a that's a big argument about. That. Oh, what about the innocent guy in the middle of Africa who's never heard? Well, there are no innocent people. Right. If some guy in Africa hadn't heard about Jesus, that's you and I. That's our fault. That's that's, right. that's not his fault. Yeah. The reality is, is there's nobody that's good. Everybody's culpable. Exactly. Right. Everybody. Um, one that really interested me: an individual must contribute his or her own effort for personal salvation. In other words, we have to do something. We have to contribute our own effort. Right. This was another kind of leading question. Right. It's a leading <laughs> question. Because it's got some Calvinistic stuff in it. Exactly. Either, you know, and it's... Because because the whole Calvinist take on that would be, you do nothing. Right. It's all through Christ. It's, it's like, you don't even have faith. Right. Your faith was given to you. Yeah. Now... Uh, That's hyper-Calvinist. Very much so. Um, I, I'm at, you do have to have faith, but I'm wondering, I wish you would, they would have asked, uh, more like, uh, are you saved by your works or, right. um, can you go to heaven by being by a good, good deeds? Right. Do, yeah. Right. Yeah. That would be a clearer indication of exactly. what people believe on this. So, but 71% <laughs> agree to that, uh, 54% in evangelical Protestantism. So mm-hmm. over half. And I think that, I think the ambiguous questioning Probably attributed to those right. numbers. Absolutely. So I wouldn't even really know how to answer that if, when talking to a Calvinist. Me neither. <laughs> so what are you getting at? What are you? <laughs> what are you wanting to know? What's going on here? Is my faith my own faith? Yeah. What are right. we talking about here? <laughs> okay. But uh, so that's really interesting. And then I've I've one more. But man, there there was tons of headlines, and I'm not going to cover them all. I might save some for next week. Yeah, it's a big week in the yeah. News. But uh, one more uh more news from the uh, Moses. Uh, Exodus Gods and Kings movie mm-hmm. camp. Uh, <laughs> the guy who's playing Moses, Christian Bale, uh, is quoted as saying, that guy. Yeah, that guy. I'm Moses. I'm Moses. <laughs> that- Where is she? <laughs> Let my people go. Let them go. Death of the firstborn. <laughs> okay, anyways. Mo- he's quoted as saying that Moses was likely schizophrenic and one... Uh, oh, man, I just lost it. Ugh, where did that go? Dad gum it. <laughs> oh, iPods. Okay, Moses was likely schizophrenic and one of the most barbaric individuals that he's ever portrayed. He'd never read the Bible before, really, but in studying for this, he read the... Uh, uh, the Hebrew um, uh, Old Testament, and and he read the uh, um, uh, what's it called? The oh gosh, I can't <laughs> yeah, think that, now. That the, the uh, Bible, yeah, the Bible. <laughs> no, uh, the Hebrew Old Testament, and he also read the what's the um. Why? Why can't I think right now? What's the name? When you said the <laughs> the Muslim Bible, the Quran, uh, Quran. Yes, he read the Quran <laughs> to get a complex of Moses. Also, <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, We're going to do this in the mornings more often. Yes, yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> Exodus: Gods and Kings, which is slated to hit December's 
uh, theaters December 12th will attribute the parting of the Red Sea to an earthquake and not to God. This is really interesting. What? Yeah. Now that's going to irritate This is me. Ridley Scott saying this. You can't just do a giant parting with walls of water trembling while people ride between them, Scott said in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, Weekly referring to the film The Ten Commandments. I didn't believe it then when I was a kid sitting in the third row. I remember that feeling... I remember that feeling... I remember that feeling and thought that I'd better come up with a more scientific or natural explanation, Scott said. Scott's solution came from a deep dive into history in Egypt circa 3000 BC, the magazine notes. After reading that a massive underwater earthquake off the coast of Italy caused a tsunami, he thought about how the water receives as a prelude to such disasters. I thought that I thought that logically the parting should be a drainage and that when the water returns, it comes back with a vengeance, he told the magazine. So let me get this straight, Ridley Scott. You're going to say that it apart. You can't contribute this to God. You're just going to say that it magically happened. The waters magically recede or scientifically receded yeah, yeah. at the exact moment when the Hebrews need to cross over the Red Sea. Well, and maybe he's attributing the earthquake to God. May I don't God know. has to play a part in this film. Well, you know, he's he's a noted atheist, you know, Ridley Scott. Right. And I'm. I, I don't know, man. I but, just, but you know, you don't have to believe in Greek theology to do a, a, a you know, a, a version of Clash of the Titans, right? But if you take a, but, okay, if you take a, if you take and make Moses into a deranged schizophrenic, then you can make the burning <laughs> bush into just a, a delusion. Delusion. <laughs> you can take and make all the other plagues into a delusion, mm. right? And then. You know, he maybe goes in and murders Pharaoh's son in the middle of the night and says it's because of God. And then I don't, it's nuts to me. Yeah. It's just wow. nuts. But so, anyways, uh, there's going to be a lot of controversy about another this one. Another Noah type of. Yep. Thing. Another Noah type movie. And I really hope that Ridley uh, does something good with I it. I do but too. Because it, it looks, me. it looked very, you know. True yeah. in the uh, trailers, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay, so another piece of news that you did not report on yes. was that the Pope came out and said that evolution is not only possible but it's a plausible way that god created uh, yeah i didn't i didn't report on that i don't know why I didn't report on that. actually i should have reported on that when did he come out and say that i didn't read that actually I really no this idea. has been no. all over the news this has week. it been i just yeah. missed it and um wow so he, okay, minus for, five for first me. we had the pope saying that um aliens or okay to baptize, whatever, right. whatever that was. He all can about. baptize aliens if they. And exist. now, he now he is is being not only saying yeah it's possible, but it's a uh, it's it fits in perfectly with uh, theology of of God evolution does, and that it was just a tool that that God used. So this is nothing new. This is what uh, we often refer to as theistic evolution, right? Um, which 
leads us into our discussion of, of the day because um <laughs> well I, you have young earth creationism old earth creationism theistic evolution right. you know or or just plain old darwinistic darwinistic evolution, evolution. so right. what we want to talk about today is the age of the earth right okay and it's it, this is going to be a funny interesting way of, of handling this episode because what we're going to do is um i'm I'm pretty much a young earth guy. I mean, maybe that's just the old school in me, but, uh, but, uh, Jeremiah is still kind of the, the jury's out. Well, I can right? go either way. My thing is, you know, I was raised a young earth creationist and a hardened young earth creationist. Right. Know? Right. And I was told this is, this is the way it is. This is it. Um, on the other hand, uh, all, you know, I grew up during the era when evolution was really pushed in the school system. Right. Right. And uh, and I, I'm kind of schizophrenic in that I went to a uh, public school until I was a sophomore and then went to a private school uh, junior and senior year. And so I got and actually um, I had to take a step back and become a sophomore again in order to be going to this Christian private school mm-hmm. because they required twice as many credits to graduate. So I got to take biology twice. I took it as a sophomore in a public school, right? And I took it as a sophomore in a private Christian school, and I heard the arguments from either side, right? Okay, right. so for me, you know, it's a toss-up, and I believe that most of my generation, yeah, and uh, I, I don't dispute that. I, I can see, and and I think, I, and this is me. This is, and a lot of this, guys. I mean, there are. Facts that I'm going to use. There's facts that Jeremiah is pulling up on his iPad as furiously as he <laughs> can true. right now. <laughs> <laughs> but there are things that that we're going to uh, throw out there. But this is ultimately up to you. Once again, go to the Act 17 thing. Don't trust what we say. You know, do your own research on this to try and 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 ultimately, is it going to affect our salvation? I I don't I don't necessarily believe so because this doesn't necessarily have to change your faith in Christ. No, this is not a backbone theology. I don't believe. How, but. however, uh, I'm very passionate for my view of it. <laughs> so if I come across as uh, no, my way is the way, <laughs> just to attribute that to my sinful nature. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but here's my, part of my opinion about this is that. Uh, and it's something I keep coming back to is that the, the ancient Hebrew writers never attributed the Genesis record to being a complete literary framework, mm-hmm. um, that, that they saw it as a literal six day creation. The new Testament writers allude to it that way. No one really even thought about this old earth idea until, it became commonplace in our scientific communities to believe that the earth has existed for millions and millions of years. So I, this, I just kind of attribute it to the same reason yeah. why Ridley Scott is making the Red Sea and earth. That's good. But let me, let me rebuttal that just a little bit. Okay. Think about this for the longest time, everybody saw that the earth was the center of the universe. Everybody did. And they thought, man, this is, you know, this is mm-hmm. the center. And really, it didn't do anything against theology, but we took scripture and kind of saw that, you know, the earth is the center. Well, that's just right. a known fact, right? right? Well, <laughs> and, you know, the scientific community caught up to, you know, making telescopes and saw, Galileo saw 
Oh, it's it's not the center of the Copernicus. Or, I'm but, sorry, Copernicus. My, my, Galileo came in behind him. That's right. the same thing. And then almost got excommunicated for it. Right. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great story in and of itself when he goes in there and he says, "I okay, you're right, you're right, <laughs> whatever." And he walks well, out going, "You're not right, you're not right." But anyways, uh, you know, for the longest time, but, but I you see know, what you're saying. as we shift and as we learn, as we as we use our brains and <laughs> start uh, developing scientific understanding and method, uh, you know, certain understanding. But, but are the difference change. between those for me is that the Bible never says that the Earth is the center of the universe. The Bible does say six days. Now I understand that yeah. that can be interpreted, interpreted. Yeah. as interpreted. As, wow. Interpreted as, as, <laughs> as literary, but yeah. it does say that. And so, um, I think there's a, there's a slight difference, right? But, but anyway, let's, let's look at the, um, okay. What, what are the, what are the arguments for and against the, the age of the earth being old or young. Well, I think the number so, one thing we have to look at is probably the days, right? That word day and, and come up with that. Right. But um, you can well lead the way. Tell me. Well, first <laughs> off, um, I, I think that, that we should look at um, what the scientific community is saying versus what the Bible from a completely literal standpoint right. says about, about it. Okay. Um, if we read the Bible literally, the only area we really have to play with is Genesis 1. Right. Um, because outside of that, after Adam, when Adam is in play, um, either the Bible is completely wrong in its lineage or there is about uh, 6,000 years of history recorded. Right. Okay. So. Um, and that's after Adam's in play, though. Yes, that's once Adam is in play, right. you either have to toss out because it because it gives you years and how old people were and, right. and how you know the lineage is very detailed yeah. and you can add up all the years and right. it's a lot it's about four thousand years between Adam and Jesus, Jesus. Yep. and it's been about two thousand years since Jesus around six thousand years so we're shooting at around six thousand years right. since Genesis one, one. Mm-hmm. so the questions really all if you're going to be biblical. If you're, if at all, the questions have to exist between Adam and creation. Creation. Mm-hmm. So uh, now the reason why people weren't even considering any more than this is because of um, newer theories. Right. And the we have a whole lot of theories, and right. a lot of theories are built on other theories. And the age of the earth actually is a theory. There, no one really knows for sure That's what right. the age of the earth right. is. We have uh, radiometric dating, uh, which includes carbon dating. We have uh, things of this nature that that are speaking to us, at least from the scientist's viewpoint, saying that the earth is millions of, of years old, uh, even well, even billions of years old. Right. So, and it's a very frustrating thing, by the way, just to point that out. Uh, scientists won't, well, I don't say, not all scientists, but many scientists, especially uh, evolutionists, um, won't tell you that this is theory, right? Right. They right. will w- They will state it as fact. In fact, even in your third grade books or whatever, it's presented right. as fact. It'll say 
25 million years ago, like this is a fact. It doesn't ever say. That's right. Scientists believe that, that 25, 25. It doesn't. It doesn't even allude to that. Some scientists believe. And and here's yeah. here's one reason why I think we're even having this discussion is because especially this generation right. has been inundated and programmed to to you can't imagine an Earth younger than millions of years old right. because that's all you've ever heard. That's right. And and so. Um, one of the big arguments that comes up is, well, the earth looks old and I disagree. I don't think the earth looks old. And so, um, what about, um, one, one, you know, geologists, which make their whole lives focused on studying rocks. Right. Right. And they can see the different layers, right? Yes. All the way down. They, they do core drillings, see different layers. And so they, they, their their claim, which they substantiate by the layers, mm-hmm. says you know because of all these different layers, the Earth has to be so many years old. Right. What about them? Well, if you if you look at um, a non catastrophic event of any sort, uh, what they're saying is that as they as they reveal layers, as they dig into the Earth, that mm-hmm. represents ages. Right. So, like for example, that would that would assume that the earth is growing because or settling down or something because there's layers being built upon layers, right? Yeah. Uh, however, we just go a few feet deep before we're into millions of years ago. So for one, it doesn't add up. But secondly, uh, it also alleviates any idea that maybe those layers were put in place through a catastrophic event like a the world flood. flood. Ah. Um, in fact, a lot of the things that so that make the earth quote unquote look old are based or flood based. Like for example, the grand Canyon, right? The grand Canyon, the theory is that the Colorado river has hewn out this yeah. out of right. the earth over, over millions, millions of years. Yeah. <clears throat> However, have you seen the Colorado river? It's, it's compared to the grand Canyon. It's tiny. Yes, and, and and so also that would all. Why aren't every other river in the world creating Grand Canyons? Why why just here? It it um, or maybe the Earth was covered in water at one point, and flood recession heading to the sea carved out huge chunks and gorges out of the Earth as it did so. Huh. Um, and so the weakest areas created. Uh, these canyons, canyons and such. So it, it, it just doesn't necessarily, uh, one of the, the flood theories that, that I think is the best one is Walt Brown of MIT. Uh, and that's one thing also I want to bring up is that yeah, everybody assumes true. that if you're a creationist, you're an idiot. Right. That, you, that, that you're not basing any of your arguments in science. Um, and even if you're a young earth creationist, you're even more of an idiot. Right. Okay. <laughs> this is part of the draw of why a lot of people gravitate toward old earth. They don't want to be seen as an idiot. Nobody right. wants to be seen as an idiot. However, there's all kinds of science that is, and facts, evidences that are never brought to light. Right. Because it makes you look like an idiot if right. you bring it up. And one of the things that we've been trained and learned, learned to start saying is, well, scientists believe that it was a million years ago, but... Hold on, time out. Not all scientists believe that it was a million That's years correct. ago. There are scientists who are young Earth creationists and scientists who are old Earth creationists, but still creationists. Right. And uh, you know, and these are people like 
who were Walt, trained Walt it. Brown. Yeah, who, who, MIT. Who, who, yeah, and this guy was a, a, a he worked at MIT and everything. So this is a a very smart guy. This is, right. <laughs> and he he uh, put together a theory that's called now the hydroplate theory. And I think it's much better than the canopy theory or any of the other flood theories. But it basically says that uh, that there was more, most likely, the Earth had a layer of water under the crust in the beginning. And that uh, when God chose to flood the Earth, he collapsed what was supporting the crust. And that caused the water to break through the surface of the Earth, fly way up into the air and create rain for the first time. Right. And, uh, and this would cause things like, um, uh, flash freezing. We have bully mammoths that have been found, uh, in polar regions and and such with undigested food in their stomach. Right. How does that happen? That doesn't happen over millions of years or thousands of years. That has to happen instantaneous. Yeah. So this would cause flash freezing. It would also, also throw mud and silt all over the place, burying living animals under high pressure, which would create a fossil layer. Um, it, 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 it covers so much of what quote makes the earth look old. Um, so does the, does the earth look old? If we look around, do we really think that the earth looks old? Uh, the oldest living trees on the planet, the oldest living tree we know of, uh, only dates back to 4,000 years. Right. Um, the oldest living coral on the earth is 4,200 years old. Um, what about fossilized coral? I guess, you know, but they date that with geologists. So, um, well, and, and also, uh, why is it that all the fossils that we have are, are millions and millions and millions of years old? Does <laughs> fossilization require that amount of time we don't. You, you know. You would think if you dug down a certain level, you would find those three thousand year old fossils right. or whatever. But there's not. Uh, they all like when you date them via carbon dating or whatever. It always goes way, 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 way back. Right. Um, but we can measure things like the age of trees physically by looking at the rings. Right. And then we know how many seasons that tree has lived. Right. Uh, you can look at coral and measure how much it's growing every year and then extrapolate that back to say, oh, okay, it's been growing this number of years. So we know how old it is. Right. Stalactites, we can measure how much they grow every year and extrapolate that back. The oldest stalactites are only a few thousand years old. Um, mm. So we've got things, facts that we know the earth, the, the, the moon is receding from the earth uh, so much every year. And we can, we can measure that. If we extrap- extrapolate it back thousands of years, we're still good. The earth is still viable. If we extrapolate that back millions of years, then the moon would completely destroy everything on the earth because of the tidal, the gravitational pull on it. Huh. And that's interesting. Things of this nature. I've never heard that before. That's, that's really uh, convincing. The, the erosion rate. Yeah. The rate at which we measure erosion to happen on this earth. If earth has, has existed the way it is now for millions and millions and millions of years, either everything was, was uh, high mountains that have eroded down to this over millions of years, or the erosion rate hasn't been like it is for millions of years. It's only been a few thousand. Um, so there's, there's that you've got ocean, the amount of salt in the ocean increases or, um, 
has 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 shown to increase every year. Uh, if that is true, then billions of years ago or millions of years ago, the seas were either uh, saltless or they would be so salty now that nothing could live in it. Everything hmm. would be like the Dead Sea. Dead Sea, sea yeah. Uh, but anyway, there's lots of things like this. Uh, you were talking about taking core samples. Yeah. One of the things people have done is they take core samples of the polar regions. Right. And they pull it out and they, and they measure it the same way. Uh, this is what the atmosphere was like millions of years ago, right? Et cetera, et cetera. And and uh, but the thing th- there is that that's not a consistent thing. We have uh, actually uh, something that happened. Um, see, ice at the South Pole and Greenland are about fourteen thousand feet deep at the most. Okay. Yeah. An aircraft crashed in Greenland in 1942 and was excavated in 1990 from about 260 feet of ice. So after 48 years, it was only, it was buried 460 feet Wow! just in 48 years. So at that rate of ice accumulation, the ice cores that are 14,000 feet deep would only be about 2,600 years old. So what scientists are digging those cores out and saying, this is millions of years. We have evidence of how fast things are freezing in that same region. Wow. And yet we, this stuff is the stuff that, that, that is being completely ignored by the scientific community. Huh. Let's even talk about the population growth. Yeah. Okay. The current rate of population growth has not changed much over the, the amount of time we've been keeping census records. Okay. Okay. So if we were to take the current growth rate of the population uh, that we have measured, uh, let's say, well, given that the Earth population growth rate, uh, the current population could have been generated in about four or four or 5,000 years. If people have been around for even a million years, the Earth would be so densely populated at this point that you would not even be able to move. Hmm. You'd be shoulder-to-shoulder people. So the number of people that we have on earth gives us kind of a clue and the amount in which we procreate gives us kind of a clue about how long we've been here. Yeah, I get that. But what about the death rate? Does that make, do you see what I'm saying? Uh, like, you know, what's, what's the, de- we have to look at the population rate. We also have to look at the death rate. Right. To see. Well, the population has been, you know, consistently growing. You know, because people die and people were born, right. and that fluctuation is doesn't change right. a whole lot. So, I mean, you're still having the same amount of huh. population growth we've been measuring. So, um, but anyway, uh, what about um, fossil records and things of that nature? Yeah. So, um, the biggest thing that comes up is carbon dating. Right. That's the the number one issue I was going to bring up. Carbon dating. <laughs> So, okay, you got a dinosaur bone, you've dug out of the ground, and you date it with this carbon dating method. Carbon dating. So what is carbon dating? You take carbon and you date it. (laughs) You take it out for a nice seafood dinner, (laughs) never call it again. Things that... uh, I don't know. (laughs) Things deteriorate. Carbon deteriorates Deteriorates, in the current... That's a half-life, right? Right, in the current atmosphere... which is an awesome game, by the way. And Good so, game. yeah. So, okay, what is the half-life of a carbon element is is what's being measured. Right. So, how long has this thing been decaying? That's what the measurement really is. Okay. Okay, so, in order to do that, 
they they use very good science, very good uh, math to extrapolate the data. Okay. However, there's an element in there that's unknown. That unknown element is how long does it take for a carbon uh, for a carbon element to decay in the atmosphere? Huh. They don't know that. So what they do is they take an educated guess. Okay. Well, guess what they're they're guessing. They thousands of years, thousands, right? Yeah. I mean, they'll say, "Oh, well, we our best guess is that it takes six thousand years or four thousand years for this type of carbon element to decay in the atmosphere." Okay, well, let's take six thousand years and throw it into the equation. Well, you know, I'm in engineering, and we have a saying: "Garbage in, garbage out." <laughs> it's good math, good science, but you put the wrong value in, right? You're going to get bad value out of the back end of that, right? Makes sense. And so the reason why you have these huge numbers is because you're putting in a huge number as your guess, right? And and so this is the same that's true for geology. When you measure the age of a rock, what you're doing is you're taking the um, from an atomic level. You're trying to figure out how the the well, what do you call them? The nucleides or <laughs> the nuclear elements out of the rock. And right. you're trying to determine what's the half-life. How long does it take for that, that little uh, nuclear element to, um, to change over time? And so once again, you're putting an educated guess into uh, the equation. Hmm. So, but the biggest thing that makes the earth look old to a lot of people and this is probably the biggest argument against young earth creation is starlight yeah okay we know for a fact yeah that these stars are millions of light years away that's right so what does that mean it means it's it's taking them that that long the light from that star it's taking that long to travel to the earth to our you know to for us to see it we can we can measure in light years, how far away a star is because it, it takes the light that long to get to us. Right. We use a method called uh, parallax viewing to determine how far a, a, a star is away. So you take two points of reference and, um, and you do a little bit of, of trigonometry, of math on it, and you can determine how far a point is away from you. Okay, so we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that those stars are that far away and so if light had to if it takes say a million light years away let's say it takes a million years for the light to even reach us how can we see it if this is a young universe that's the question um there are theories that uh are plausible theories that still yield a young um a, a young earth. So for example, um, yeah, there is a, uh, a guy, um, another scientist in, I believe he's in Australia, by the name of Barry Setterfield. And he has a hypothesis called the decaying value of C. C is in, uh, scientific terms, the speed of light. Okay. Okay. So what his theory is, is from a scientific point of view, he believes that the speed of light is not a constant even though we use the letter C because it means constant. <laughs> he believes that the speed of light is not constant, but that it is slowing down. So, okay. Or I mean, speeding up. 
So like, uh, and he, he's got some pretty good proofs that yeah, it can be argued that the measurement, the way you measurement measure the uh, the speed of light, has improved over time, and so therefore the numbers have changed. But over the times that we have measured the speed of light, it has changed. Uh, and so he uses this into his, his arguments. And his, his idea is that at creation, that the speed of light was instantaneous, <laughs> that it was faster than what it is now. Okay. Okay. So therefore, even though we're, that star's a million light years away, it doesn't take a million years for it to travel that far at, in the beginning. Right. It does now because the speed of light has decayed. It has slowed down. Okay. And uh, that's one theory. Okay. Um, however, there are there are others. There's the uh, does light does do stars leave a trail? So if God created the um, the universe in proximity to us, we are the center of right. creation, not necessarily the center of the solar system, but the center <laughs> of creation. But if we, but if we are the point in which God is choosing to, like it says in Genesis, he put the lesser lights in the heavens right. to be signs for signs and seasons. So if those stars are there for our purposes, um, this, this, this light trail theory says that the stars were basically created here and sent out there. Right. Therefore the trail of light is what we're seeing, right? Not necessarily coming from the, the I mean, not years away to us, but that we are seeing the trail that was left behind when the star was originally created. Um, huh? That's kind of a, I've never heard that. That's a, it's a kind of a strange one for me. I yeah. don't really buy into it. I, the the one that I put the, that I kind of lean toward is Dr. Russell Humphreys is an, another, um, um, a uh, astronomer and uh he, he wrote a book called starlight and time and i have to warn you it's a dry read it is very very technical okay it's 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 uh it's all about physics it's all about astronomy and um so i need to avoid this joke. <laughs> <laughs> but his theory is about time dilation okay and it it ties into the theory of relativity. He uses Albert Einstein's theory of relativity right. to base this theory of starlight time dilution. Right. So what the concept is, is that scientists believe we're an expanding universe. Yeah. That's the Big Bang theory. All right. that goes points toward an expanding universe. And he builds on this concept as well. So if the sure. universe is expanding and it did so at a certain speed at one point and now it's at another time is tied to speed tied to gravity right and that uh time uh changes and it slows down or speeds up based on the gravity and the speed in which it's moving huh. so his point is that we have been in existence the earth has been in existence for what the Bible says about 6,000 years. Right. However, that time has dilated since creation. And so at the edge of the universe, way out there, it's billions of years old. Okay. And he's got all these, these um, um, equations and stuff that he's put together on this stuff. And it, and it all adds up pretty good. It's a pretty sound theory if Einstein was right, right. about his theories. So in other words, it's relative. Time is relative. Right, it's relative to, and so and we can pl place that relativity on, on the stars. Right, it's relative to where they're at. Correct. 
Okay. So that it is an old universe back there uh, on the other side, on the other of, the side of the universe. <laughs> and it's a young uh, universe from here our perspective, that's right. from our relative. Uh, that's a, yeah, I've heard that, that argument too. And that's a, that's a pretty compelling argument, but let's, uh, let's get down to some theology of, uh, of young earth versus old earth real quick. Okay. Uh, the word day. Yes. In, in, as used in the old. So old we're looking Testament. at Genesis one. Yeah. We're looking at Genesis one. The word day is, Yom, okay, Correct. Y-O-M, mm-hmm. okay, um, this is used all over scripture, not just to denote a 24-hour period, am I right? Correct. It's also used to, like, for instance, um, and even in Genesis 1, it's actually, I believe, used in two different ways. Uh, it is used for a 24-hour period. On the other hand, it's used for a 12-hour period, and there was day... And there was night, the second day. Okay. Okay. Well, that can be that can be argued as well. Is this a a twelve hour day? Is this a twenty four hour day? Um, so you have the day age view, mm-hmm. right? Um, which basically says that you can either trans translate it literally or you can translate it figuratively, and it's relative to to what it's talking about. Okay. So in this day age view, you could say that. Maybe these days are actually ages or stages of creation mm-hmm. in which God creates. All right, and so you can have uh, this this large chunk of time being taken up into a day, right? Which Moses writes as a day. What do you? What's your? Um, well, um, a lot of that I've heard that before. That that ties into um, when Peter said that a day is like unto a thousand years to God, right. and a thousand years as unto a day. Uh, that's one of the arguments there that, well, maybe, maybe six days of creation was 6,000 years or 6 million years yeah. or whatever the relevant term is. And, um, I, I can follow that to some degree, except for, I get caught up on things like, um, so Adam was created in the sixth day. God rested on the seventh day. Right. So he didn't rest from his creation for millions of years here. <laughs> After Adam was created, was created um, so was Adam in the garden for millions of years before the fall? I mean, and we really don't know any of that stuff, I guess. Um, he could have been. But, uh, I mean... <laughs> well, it, it depends on if you believe in the natural death. And, and what brings about natural death, which we'll get to in a second. But right, right. It could have been. So, yeah, and so there's just, there's things that kind of fall apart a little bit yeah. there for me. I understand uh, that. But, but again, I mean, it's... But I can see, I can, the, the question is, why do we, why do we feel a need to make the Bible fit the theories of man? Right. That's kind of where I am on the whole thing. That's really. a really good point. It is yeah. that we, instead of taking the Bible and working from it and saying, hey, science does support what the Bible says, <laughs> we do the opposite. We go, oh, scientists believe this, which not necessarily fact, even though it's taught like it's a fact. Right. And there we go. And therefore, we want to keep our faith. Right. So what do we do is we say, well, maybe we can make the two work together. Right. And again, you have to, you have to, to make the observation that everything is, is a guess. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about the past that we don't know about, it's right. it's always going to be theory. It's never going to be fact. Right, and there's nothing that makes, say, Russell Humphreys or Walt Brown's theories 
less viable right. than Charles Darwin's theory. In fact, Charles Darwin is, that's a horrible theory. Have oh, you read Origin of Species? It's a terrible theory. <laughs> that's a horrible, uh, it's, it amazes me yeah. that the scientific community still leans on yeah. this 150-year-old theory that is is based on bad science. It yeah. was it, it, he had no real good understanding of what the cell was. No one did at right. that point. We didn't have microscopes powerful enough to show us what a cell was. Right. In their view, the cell was the simplest form of of man, of creation. Yeah, so he started with the cell. You can't start with the cell. The uh-uh. cell is a is a factory right. of moving parts. Right. So it's like okay, well, if you're starting with a cell, how did the cell get there? Yeah. You know, so anyway. And and one of the th- one of the biggest uh, uh proofs of creationism to begin with is is the cell. Mm-hmm. Um one of the one of the very I was sitting in a biology class and my professor not professor, he was just a teacher in high school. Uh, and this was a this was a uh, the the secular one and he said um he gives us these list of facts for cells and one of the facts is all cells must come from pre-existing cells mm. period right so where did the so first where did the first one come from come from oh it just happened to yeah. form because it breaks that and, fact. And well, one thing well. i think we should do also is maybe we can continue this also uh because there are other things in this that i think are, are like evolution let's talk sure. about the chances of of what it would take for evolution to really happen. Right. And, you know, I think there are other things that we can talk about in, in upcoming episodes, episodes that I'd will love really, to, yeah, I'd love continue to continue some of, of that discuss, uh, a lot of kids know, you know, whenever they come into my youth room and I, I talk about evolution, um, and I explain the difference between, uh, macro evolution and micro evolution. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? Well, there's a difference. I'm right. Like, because it's not taught as huge difference. Yeah. And yeah. we're talking the difference between cross species evolution versus inner species evolution. Yeah. evolution. And so, uh, but anyway, the Pope is saying macro evolution yeah. is a tool of God. And, and, and we just don't see that anywhere in science. Number one. And number two, we don't see that anywhere in scripture. Correct. Um, we are, in fact, we we see the exact opposite. The Bible tells us that we are, uh, completely different from any other species or any other created being in that we have, uh, we are created in the image of God, mm-hmm. um, which, which is a, well, w- one thing we kind of got straight a little bit sorry. from, from your question. Yes. Cause your question was about Yom, right. About the day, intermittent the, days, right. Or, uh, one of the things that, that we can also is Yom is not the only Hebrew word in that <laughs> sentence. You've got the evening and the morning. Yeah. Also being brought up, Arab is it means dusk. Boker means dawn. Dawn, yeah. So it means from dusk to dawn. That's a literal translation of what it means. So does you know is there is that are we going to make it all figurative? I mean, we're going to start saying okay, well the day is figurative, but so is it's not a real morning, right? Well, you've heard you've heard the argument that well, uh, it's written in poetry form. Uh, Genesis one is correct, right? It, it there are stanzas, right? There's right. morning and evening, morning and evening, and it is good. It is good. It is good, and then it's with the last stanza. It's very good, and you know, so yeah, it, there's poetic we, he- parallelism. Happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's Hebrew poetry. So mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so is any of that? Can we take any of that literally, or can we take it figuratively to to mean a literal fact? And um, what's really interesting that I've read is like verse one and two. 
Mm-hmm. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, the earth was without void and formless, and water was over the deep. And then, it, then he. Uh, so you have verse one and two, which uh, some people will say, "Well, that's literal." Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the rest of it, uh, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day right. six, and that's figurative. Have you ever heard that argument? Yes. In fact, uh, there's a term for this. It's called uh, the framework hypothesis. Okay. And the framework hypothesis is a is an old Earth creationist uh, literary framework. Thing. Yeah. Yes. And and uh, what this is a very very common um, theory. This this is one that is actually I believe taking over a lot of Christianity. Right. Uh, this whole framework theology. And the whole idea is that Genesis one is complete poetry. It's, it's not meant to be taken literally, even though everybody did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's, it wasn't meant to be taking, taken literally. And so um, one of the biggest arguments is it's written in poetic form. Um, Yes, it is written in poetic form. That is very evident. However, most of the Bible is written in poetic form. Right. So are you going to make it all figurative? But even Jesus, whenever he is, is, is giving the Sermon on the Mount, he's giving it in poetic form. The, the Beatitudes is very poetic. Um, the, even whenever he's praying to God, he's being poetic. Whenever he says things like, um, <laughs> sanctify them in truth, thy word is Your truth. Your word is truth. That's yeah. parallelism that he's using there. He's, he's using this poetic structure they just it was very much in the hebrew mind to be poetic they were very poetic people and so most of their writings and speeches and stuff were uh poetic so i don't think that simply that it's written in poetic form takes anything away from a literal understanding of it however you did mention uh another thing that ties into the this is not necessarily the framework hypothesis but um the fact that Genesis one and two yes. um, state something, and that could be interpreted as outside of day one of creation. Right. Okay. So that's what the the idea is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Is not talking about day one of creation. That <laughs> it's somehow because then it goes around later and says, and the and he, he said, let there be light, and it was day and the first right. day and the first night were. Okay. So. The idea is that, okay, prior to day one, God created the heavens and the earth, and it uh, became without form and, and, and void. So th- there was this pre-existent earth that he then scrapped, <laughs> and it became without form and void, and then he started over. <laughs> okay, so the, this is called the gap theory. Yeah, I've- uh, okay, the gap theory, and the reason why the whole there, there is is a thinly veiled theory. There's not much to go on, <laughs> except for the Hebrew structure of Genesis one, and and the 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 point is a lot of the way Hebrew poetic structure works is you state something and then you detail it. You state something and you detail right. it. That's all that's happening in Genesis one. He states what happened in the first two verses. Yeah. Then he details what happened. Uh, so it's not it's not linear progression. It is he created the heavens and the earth. It was without form and void. He created and the spirit of God moved upon the water. And then it talks about okay, this is how that happened. And he goes into day one. Right. So um, he almost he does the same thing with man too. By the way, 
he he says exactly yeah on day what is it day six he creates man right um so he says you know and i created ma- both male and female you know uh, he created them and then then it goes into detail on how he made the man and in detail how he made the woman right um, right so it's not uh it doesn't have to all relinear no it doesn't to to still be literal right um so the 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 problem with with all these theories for me the big one of the biggest problems here is that to me it destroys a lot of the gospel narrative, um, and this is kind of my my biggest thing mm-hmm. is that um, it there's something that happened with Adam's fall that right. that changed man, and and there's all those all these arguments about whether or not the animals killed before then or whatever. But I don't right. even want to focus on that. I just want to focus on what happened between the relationship between man and God. Yeah. A, a death occurred. Yeah. And um in in Romans five, um, and let's see, I just happen to have the um I have the um King James version here. Um so in verse eleven, he says in uh, Romans five. Paul says, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded to many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to con- condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. And, uh, of course, it continues and goes on and on about um, about this, but... Romans five also talks about the whole creation groaning right. because of because of this. There was a at the fall, there was a great change that occurred in what was experienced in in the Garden of Eden. In fact, many people even believe the the Garden of Eden was not of the same physical nature that we experience now. Mm-hmm. Um, that they I've were heard that before. That they were clothed in light, and that they were beings of light, and right. that this this changed their how the, their flesh and how everything was and that the ultimate goal, the resurrected bodies will be much more like what Adam and Eve had. Right. So now I don't know that for a fact, that's just some theory, but I've, I've heard that, that basically we were uh, glorified bodies to begin with and we're going to end up as glorified mm-hmm. bodies. So it's kind of like uh, God's restoration, right? Complete restoration. And there is this continued thing about restoration about mm-hmm. coming back to where we were and about being through Jesus and, and it starts with Adam and says that this stuff happened. Now, if death entered the world by Adam, according to mm-hmm. Romans 5, then how did we evolve? Even if God used evolution as a tool, 
Evolution is defined by trial and error and natural selection. So a species is born and it dies. Right. It, it's born, it adapts, it dies. Right. The next generation is born, it adapts, and it dies. And over millions of years, this creates right. what we are now. Okay, that's the theory of, of evolution. Right. So in order for that theory to work, death has to play a huge role. Sure. Natural it, selection has to play a huge role. Things have to die that aren't that aren't fit for survival. Right. So I know there's arguments that this is we're talking about a spiritual death, not a physical death, and we're talking that about that was the argument I was gonna bring up. And I really do think I don't know, man, I <clears throat> the more and more I study this, uh I see that this picture of death is is a it's a separation Mm -hmm. and uh, for instance take our glorified bodies for example okay we're beings of uh of light and physicality Mm -hmm. and when we die we don't die adam and eve did not for instance god says if you eat of this fruit you shall surely die right the serpent says you will not surely die if you eat this fruit right um well when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, what happened? Did they just fall over dead? No. no. Now, some people will say, no, but they sin and the law of sin and death entered the world, which is true. The law of sin and death did in the world, but they didn't die right then. They, they lived on for hundreds of years and then died. Right. 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 Um, so the idea being that it was a spiritual the idea, death, it was a spiritual death right then that they were separated from God. And mm-hmm. that separation is to me is death. Correct. Right. It's a spiritual death. So what happens? They lose the light. They lose. They lose. The, they're kicked out of Eden. They're they're spiritually dead. And so, um, and what happens? So physical death the, could have already existed. Right. Prior to the fall. Exactly. And my my other argument is is animals because a lot of people point to, um, especially like answers in Genesis people, um, mm-hmm. Ken Ham, all those guys point. They say that you know before the fall all the dinosaurs were herbivores and stuff. And I'm <laughs> like, no, it, it can't, it can't be. And one of the, the evidence I was reading just a little bit ago, and, and I'll bring that up again is, uh, um, the Hebrew word for lion is, uh, tears with violence or something like that. Right. <laughs> right. The original Hebrew word. So when Adam named the lion, what was he saying? No, this is a violent thing, right? <laughs> this, this thing tears things apart. And so, um, my argument is that the physicality I think was in place. The physical death was in place before the fall. Mm-hmm. Now, whether man physically died, I don't know about that. I think man could have physically died or could not have physically died. Right. I don't believe in evolution. So my, this goes to my, my gap theory thought, <laughs> right? So that there's this huge gap. Okay, so wait a minute. What is the point of leaning on long creation, long days of creation, without evolution? Well, the only point is geology and astronomy and, uh, you know, what okay, gotcha. What mainstream right, scientists I'm, are telling us, yeah, right? I'm with you. Now, I don't need... I, I don't believe in evolution. I don't I don't see it as a viable scientific fact that there's no way. I I agree with you that Darwin was a moron, to be honest with you. Yeah. He took one small assumption and jumped to a huge conclusion with it. Right. But 
Um, the gap theory could account, and when I say gap theory, what I what I'm saying is, and I don't believe this. I don't know. This is uh-huh. I'm seeing this as a viable. So prior belief. to Adam, prior to Adam, there were ages that set up the earth for Adam. Okay, and then God created man and okay. male and female. Um, so let me stop you there just for a second. Yes. Okay. So if if man did not exist prior to Adam, yes. And Adam lived 6,000 years ago. So, yes. I mean, you, you're kind of there, right? Yes. Okay. So, if Adam lived 6,000 years The events ago, of Adam were 6,000 years. What do we do with the carbon-dated human bones that have dated over 6,000 years? Because there are such. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, they're the Cro-Magnon. I mean, all these... These so-called missing links. They started out being missing links. And yeah. then they just, they were discovered much later. Oh, it's not really a missing link. Right. This was a chimpanzee. Oh. <laughs> you know Lucy was part ape and part... Lucy was a chimpanzee. Yeah. There's no way around that. That's right. It's, it's, <laughs> they just laid it out a certain way and yeah. it made it look like it's... Hey, look, it's a human. <laughs> yes. And, and the Piltdown Man, all these things that have happened yeah. through uh, so-called missing link discoveries... And which, by the way, we don't need a missing link. We need millions of them. Yeah. There's no transitional forms in the fossil record. That's right. None. Not one. And there would have to be millions and millions and millions and millions of them. Yeah. yeah. Because we would have to be evolving over these millions of years. That's there right. would be some evidence to that. Sure. So, uh, so but anyway, I guess what, what um, okay, one of, my, one of my points here about the spiritual death before Go we ahead. get off of that. Sorry. Spiritual death versus physical death. What was the point of a tree of, of life? Why was Adam kicked out of the garden? Do you remember that God said, unless, unless he people take of the tree of life, life and live forever. forever? Now, here's a question. So what I'm getting at he is... He ate the tree of if life. If death was already in play... Now, hold on. Time out. Okay. But think about this. Okay. Just think about this for a second. <laughs> Could it have been that death was taking place all around the garden except for in the garden? And think about this, okay? <laughs> okay? Because Adam and Eve could eat of every tree, including the tree of life. They, they were they were eating it. They yes. were eating it, but they weren't allowed to eat the tree of the law of sin and death. Of knowledge. Of knowledge. Knowledge of good and evil. Yes. Thank you. Knowledge of good and evil. But it that is one, the law of sin. That other tree. There's two trees there, right? <laughs> yes. So could it have been that after they ate of the law, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... That God didn't wasn't gonna allow them to eat the tree of life anymore, anymore. and so, so death entered the death world entered the physically, physically for man exactly because they couldn't eat the tree because of life he stopped anymore. eating the tree. But if he would have continued eating that tree of life, he would have lived forever. Gotcha. Okay. So do you but see he, what I'm saying? There? Yes. But even if that's true, Romans five is still saying the same thing mm-hmm. that death entered physical death for man for man entered yes. On that on that day, or began on That's that right. on that day. And my argument against death, physical death, just for man. I and I'm I'm looking at just for man. Okay. Because again, if you're eating a fruit, <laughs> what is it implying? Now, a fruit <laughs> is a living thing, right? Right. right? A right. tree is a living thing. That's death, right there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you can say, well. And and okay, look at the tri- Trianosaurus Rex. Uh, come on, <laughs> <laughs> it's got huge teeth like this, you know, right, and little right. arms. That you know, it's a killing machine. And uh, or would it have been designed for in, in prophecy's mind's eye, knowing how it would have to exist after the garden? 
Because huh. if you go with six days, you're only dealing with six days whenever they were eating. Uh, or oh, that's true. A that's short, a good argument. A short, right there. Nah, not six days, but a short period of time. Yeah. I mean, we don't know how long Adam and existed. Not, before not the only, fall. not only just six days. I mean, like day when did he create the land animals? Day three or day uh, day six? No, I can't remember. Yeah. Well, but but I guess what my point is, if we go with the, if you days. go with the young earth thing, it's like how long are they actually not eating? If you want to go with the whole herbivore right. thing, how long are they were they in that state? Right. Not long. So maybe God designed them knowing. That's going to fall. What was going to happen? Because yeah. God's God, right? God is God. <laughs> Amen. God is good. <laughs> That's right. And he's like, I got to take care of that Triassic so, guy. So did we figure anything out? No. No. <laughs> no, I'm joking. We figured but, a lot out. But yeah. And, and and guys, we're going to put uh, references on the on the show notes. Yeah. That go back, that support both views so that you can see what all is going on and make your own decision on this. Yeah. I, I personally I can't I have to keep leaning on I think I think to go with the with the long day thing or the uh, the old earth thing yeah is a way for us to try and slip away from what the scriptures tell us mm. but that doesn't mean it's true that's just what David Ganey said <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I've changed my mind about a lot of things over the years so there's no telling well and you know, it's a it's a valid point that the scripture does point to a literal six days. Yeah. It it obviously does. So anything else you're trying to do, you're trying to take again, you're trying to take the outside world and its mm-hmm. influence. Now if it was all now if we had facts, in. like like if carbon dating was factual completely, right, then we'd have a different thing that we're dealing with here. But but we're not. I right. mean, all of the the age of the earth is all theory yeah the only thing we have observable is dates back thousands of years and that's all i'm saying right and if you are a young earth creationist don't feel like a moron because you're not they're they're you're in good company that's right you you have a valid viewpoint and you have a lot of scientists that back you up yeah and agree you know you just have to look for them the reality is uh don't we we live in a world where mainstream media is inherently against scripture period. Mm-hmm. That's all they, right. Their, their goal is to disprove. And, and, and scientific communities won't even acknowledge intelligent right. design as a possible theory because they see it as a doorway to theology. Yeah. They see it as a, thor- a doorway to theism yeah. and they can't have that. So one more question before we go, I, I was this week, mm-hmm. I was like really, uh, checking out, uh, Noah's Ark stuff. Yeah, archaeology. Noah's archaeology. Why haven't we found that thing yet? I don't know. You're assuming we haven't. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I, I really don't believe. There's the, been several people that have claimed they found. This. That's right. I think that would be. Listen, if there's any theonauts out there that would like to just go and find that thing, that would solve all our problems. Found the ark? Let us know. Yeah, because we'd really like to know that. That would that would so help uh, help the Christian cause. But just saying, just saying. Anyway, so what a fun debate. This is a good one. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. So, um, and. So guys out there, let us know what you think about this. Sure. Once again, this is a topic that that lends itself to comments. Tell me I'm an idiot or whatever. <laughs> let 
Let us know. Uh, Don't tell me I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Give us some feedback on uh, Twitter or Facebook. Right. uh, At at Theonautical on Twitter uh, slash Theonauts on Facebook. Yeah. uh, Or email us at Theonauts at gctnetwork.com. Go to the gctnetwork.com webpage and check out our our friends over there at Finding Christ in Cinema right. and us as well. They're back in the studio. They're Woo! recording things. And so excited. Yeah, they just I'm going to listen to their uh, about podcast today. Harry Potter. Yeah. This, 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 some more dun, 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 the Goblet dun, 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 of Fire. It's awesome. So yeah, go go over there and check those guys out and uh, and leave us some uh, some feedback. Uh, go on iTunes and, and rate us and t- right. tell us... Uh, you know what you think about us there because that's going to help others find us amen that's so, right so jeremiah thanks for being here brother thanks david all right god bless you this has been the theonauts podcast call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270 that's 972-885-7270 love to hear from you are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. At GCTnetwork.com. This is your great commission transmission. Well, well.